So for me, it's definitely just trusting my gut. And they'll always have like the outside people that make you second guess your decision. Hi, I'm Anna Olson, and you're listening to We're Not Kidding, a podcast devoted to sharing stories surrounding the child-free life. As a life coach, I'm passionate about helping women feel confident and empowered in their choice not to have children. And I believe that by sharing our stories, we help break the stigma. So let's dive in. Today, we are speaking with Erin Bailey, who I, of course, connected with through Instagram. And Erin and I got to talk a little bit last week and um, have connected through DMs. And I'm just really excited to bring her on and introduce her to all of you. So welcome, Erin. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Would you go ahead and tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I'm in my mid thirties. I live in the Chicago area. I've been in the beauty industry. Technically, I started at 16, but I've been licensed since 2006. And I've been a hairstylist, an esthetician, been a yoga teacher. So I'm a lot in the beauty and the wellness space. Yeah, that's awesome. One thing that you and I have connected on is um, both being child-free. And so I'm curious, when did you realize that you didn't want kids? Um, it definitely started when I was a kid. Um, I think just the whole process of just the way I grew up. I'm an only child with a single mom. Um, and like having children wasn't like put on me as much through like religion. We weren't that religious, even though we observe a lot of Christian holidays and then definitely in high school and junior high, I was telling you, like I was dissecting animals and I can't even handle that. I can't even handle getting blood drawn sometimes. So like, you know, if you're having a kid, it does involve like a lot of medical needs. And if I can't handle that, then it doesn't make sense to go through that. Like I didn't have a goal of having kids for sure. Mm, um, and then yeah. in my twenties, um, I was going like with some health stuff in my early twenties. So it just kept confirming more life things. That I'm just like, I'm not having kids. And then my partner I've been with for almost 12 years, he doesn't want kids either. And his is more like, well, I don't want my kids to deal with global warming or, and just the overall, like kind of common arguments coming up in politics right now. You know, we don't get certain benefits as being a mom as like other countries. And I would, yeah. and I said like, either way, even if we had maternity leave and better things for parental leave, that wouldn't change my mind because it's my body. Mm. Yeah. It feels like this is very much just who you are. Right. Yeah. And I am so with you, the medical stuff. I, um, I faint at the sight of my own blood. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I've, I always thought, oh, I'm sure I'll get there. You know what? You just deal with it. You push through and it's like, but you don't have to. And I love that women are coming forward like yourself and saying my purpose on this planet is not to have kids saying that I'm here for something else. Like this isn't, I don't need to biologically reproduce to have value in this world. Right. Yeah. When you were talking about your career, um, I had another guest on Kelsey. She's been, um, in the hair industry and was talking about how there's this rhetoric of, you know, work the odd hours now so that when you have a family, you don't have to, um, has that been part of your experience as well? For me, I think the biggest 
thing I think of because you choose to be child-free people just take advantage of your time. Mm -hmm. So then you start working crazy hours because of that, because, oh, you don't have a family in that aspect. I would say like, that's how I felt it the most. Okay. Not like like I have to work all these crazy hours before I have kids, but it's like, because you're child-free or you don't have children yet, we're going to take advantage of your time. So, and this might actually lead into the next question a little bit, but what has been challenging for you as a child-free woman? Definitely just people taking advantage of my free time, even teaching yoga. If they know you're child-free, you're usually called on first because you tend to have the most flexibility. I had a lady one time, I covered someone's shift and I think I taught like four yoga classes that day. And I normally have two. And she's like, why are you tired? You don't have kids. I'm like, what does that have to do with like, I understood, but I'm like, but then you're saying I'm not allowed to be tired. Right. Which is a universal experience. Right. Like I can be tired for other reasons. Yeah. So I understand parents being like, I have kids. I'm tired. Like my one friend, she had two kids and we discussed and I'm like, I'm definitely not having children. And she's like, I wish I would have done that. And you know, you kind of want to acknowledge what they feel. Cause when I had a dog and it was raining out, I was thinking if I didn't have a dog, I wouldn't have to go out in the rain right now. Kind of thoughts. Yeah. It's beautiful that your friend felt safe to admit that to you that, you know, she wished maybe she'd done something different or not had kids or whatever. And I think that women say, or like anyone saying that is brave. And that's something vulnerable to share that I think we need to make space for. Because that's part of the human experience, just like you were expressing. Maybe there were moments of regret with having your dog. And I think that these are the things we don't talk about, but they're there. And instead, by not talking about them, they become like points of shame or points of, you know, guilt. Yeah. So I think that's a really important thing to bring up. And I think that it is also very much part of the experience, but we only share the highlights usually. Right. My friend was telling me with even like photography, people used to like these pristine pictures and now people kind of want these behind the scene pictures, like Mm. because it's more relatable or something you would see in real life. Yeah. I I like that idea of making the relatable more visible. Right. And I think that, yeah, that's sharing our vulnerable truths as well as the highlights of parenthood or the highlights of having a dog or the, the highlights of our life, whatever it is, even though you didn't have the experience of being a parent to relate to with your friend. You had some level of understanding because we're all human. You know, we all have, like you were talking about exhaustion, but like, that's a universal experience. The reasons we feel that may be different, right? but love, which is something that comes up with parenthood a lot is universal and the ways or the, or who we love or the things we love might be different, but we can relate on the element of love. Right. Totally. Yeah. So kind of going back to your industry and careers, what issues do you see with how women are conditioned in the wellness and the, and, and beauty industries that you've worked in? So a lot of it comes from like a purity culture, how women should be and like tamed and groomed. And to an extent, it makes sense in like the terms of hygiene and skin functioning, but I think it goes beyond sometimes like we have to put on like a performance. There's a lot of like racism involved in the beauty industry. So like everything is based off of these weird standards that we just kind of made up 
and it hurts women in like every, every part. Yeah. As I like learn the history of everything, I have to like reprioritize like, okay, if someone is coming to me with these standards, how do I make it realistic that their skin doesn't need to be flawless? I don't know. There's definitely some battles going on because you're trying to like retrain a whole Mm. culture to think differently. And so that movement has, I don't know when it happened in the beauty industry. I feel like it's always been semi there, but I think when it comes to the science of like skin and hair, it's like, you know, it's always improving all the time. Sunscreen even is still like a relatively new concept. People used to be like, oh, you have to have tan skin or have a glow. You can't look sick and pale, but then you're increasing your risk of skin cancer. If you don't wear sunscreen or it's just a lot of like toxic things we do that can hurt us in many ways, not just like skin cancer, but body dysmorphia. Um, Mm -hmm. eating disorders. I did not realize where like a lot of these things come from. And a lot of it comes from like a purity culture mindset. Mm -hmm. And and if it comes from the church, you know, they're the ones usually pushing the agenda of like having families and right. You know, some churches I know are being better diversified, but if the traditional route is still like pretty prominent. How do you think structures and systems can change to support from what we were talking about, even just more acceptance of ourselves as we are. Right. I mean, this whole like concept of even like when me too come up, like listening to women and like, it's like women are being heard, but then it's still like, yeah, but then you're still these roles, you know, if you're always being dismissed by people and they're not open to what you're saying and having a discussion versus a debate then we can't really break structures as fast as we want to. Right. It's hard. It's so hard, but I think compassion and bringing it back to like seeing the good in each other can help with these conversations. I think of like the feminist movement because recently I've heard people and on podcasts, I'll hear entrepreneur women being like, I don't really identify as feminist. And it took me a while to realize why is there a lot of taboo and stuff about feminism when really feminism is about just equal rights for women. Mm -hmm. And so there's no one way to be a feminist. You know, you don't have to agree with every feminist on their view or have their lifestyle with child free or childless people. Like you're not going to identify with every aspect of their life or, but it's like, what's the main focus? And that's like women's rights ending misogyny. I mean, I beauty industry is full of misogyny Mm. at the end comes from that. Yeah. How does it show up in the beauty industry? I don't know where to start sometimes. I mean, it's, it's just grooming women. If you think about it, a lot of things women have to do with grooming is to look like a kid. Like we can't have body hair and stuff. We can't look like a woman. We can't have curves. And even in wellness, in the health industry, not a lot of research is geared towards women for like phases before menopause, during menopause. It's not there. We're not as researched. It's because we're difficult to study. They're like, you have all these hormones and mm. cycles. We're not willing to understand it. And that affects our whole well being. Yeah. I don't even know if it's because we're difficult. It's just because we're not men. <laughs> for a long time, the, the research has just been men, white men. men. Yeah. In our previous conversation, we were kind of talking about like the societal checklist of success and 
how that comes to be. And you're not, you're someone who hasn't followed the societal checklist, correct? Like you, in terms of the societal checklist being go to college, get a degree, get married, buy a house, do, you know, have kids, do all the things. Like my mom, um, she forced me to go to beauty school. I think her thought was Aaron doesn't know what to do. She needs to do something. I actually cried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did the hair stylist thing. And, um, you know, it was in my mind, like I hear most people's stories about like when they decided to go child free. And for me also included was like, am I getting married or not? Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm like, well, if I'm not having kids, do I really need to be married? And in the uh, beauty industry, wellness industry, if you're like a service worker versus like someone high up in a corporate position, you're usually like a part-time job. And then because of that, often, I would say this is before the Affordable Care Act. So getting insurance through certain places wasn't easy. I've never had a job with health insurance. So like, sometimes it's like the reason I want to get married is for health insurance, but then that doesn't guarantee your spouse will have health insurance or any benefits to their job. Um, so I mean, I've navigated this long without a job that offered like some kind of benefits. Cause I understand you still pay for it, but it's just at a better price and you get more benefits. Um, but that's not how it is in beauty and wellness industry. And I even remember insurance at that time, cause it was like, after you were 19, you get kicked off of your parents' insurance, unless you did like an X amount of college hours or something. Um, I remember them asking, like, are you planning to be pregnant or not on the insurance? If you got it independently, I'm just like, uh. I'm like, that's sexist. Why wouldn't you just give me benefits? <laughs> Like right. children or not, because it might, and with the whole like women's health and fertility and stuff, like, even if you're not having kids, like your fertility in a way still matters. Like if you have PCOS or endometriosis and stuff, like, I know it's not like a pregnancy service, but like, would your benefits get skewed in any way because it didn't have that coverage? I don't know. I didn't really investigate that far, but like, those were like things that came in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Women's insurance, if they're planning to become pregnant and have those extra coverages is much more expensive. Right. I'd love to know what are you most passionate about with regard to the child-free topic? Women's health is still important because I know I've been looking at other reasons or not other reasons, but, um, the birth control is like the biggest part or the concern, whether you're having kids or not, if you decided someone is just one and done, like you don't want to get pregnant again and having those options. And with like all the abortion issues and people don't understand reasons people would get an abortion unless it's like incest or rape is like the common two. And then even with like Texas, they're like, no rape doesn't matter. And living in Illinois, I don't see like the barriers as much as other states do, but you still get like the added stigma for believing in abortion or having an abortion. And as much as you could get into the belief system, I hate when they're like abortion is murder. And I'm like, I, I see why you say that, Mm. but, um, you don't know the life of that person. Like you don't know their health. You don't know their mental state. You don't know their support. 
and miscarriages is common. Like I think of it as a miscarriage and even a miscarriage is medically still called an abortion, even if we call it a miscarriage. I didn't know that. And then, um, you know, the other arguments people like to use is like, well, late term abortions. I'm like, no one would get a late term abortion unless they didn't have access to early, an earlier abortion, I should say a first trimester one, or if it's a legit medical need, because I feel like I'm still advocating for people who have kids, because I think when you choose to be child free, you understand other things more. And depending on the belief system as well, like some people are like, well, this was made to happen. It's like, well, we can help each other where this doesn't have to happen. Or like, we don't need to take these risks that moms don't want. So I'm big about like women's health and fertility. Like I, like I personally still choose to have like a natural period because for me, it is an indicator of health. Yeah. Um, and then you know, even with like sex education, like I think back, it's more like, don't get pregnant. Right. Like a lot of people grow up. And I remember thinking like, you feel like pregnancy will ruin your life. I think we all maybe have that a little bit in our head. And then like all of a sudden, oh, it's okay to have it when they're asking you to get married and have kids. I'm like, oh, now you want me to be pregnant. Okay. (laughs) And I think that like, yeah, with the, you know, you're talking about the pro-life and pro-choice issues, especially with what's going on in Texas and abortions. I often, you know, I think a woman in that circumstance who's opting for one, isn't doing it lightly, even if she's always known she didn't want kids. Like, I don't think people think about that, you know, like, let's look at the front end of the problem. And it's not just a obviously like it's not just about women women don't get pregnant alone it's interesting anytime I've hear like some of my friends that are more religious every time they have sex it's a risk because they don't believe in condoms because they're interfering with God I'm just like it's still protecting you from other things yeah even just emphasizing more on overall health with like safer sex practices also help with not getting pregnant as well Yeah. Just more comprehensive education all around. Yeah, totally. totally. I'm curious kind of at this point in your life, is there anything that you would tell your younger self? Is there any advice you'd like to give your younger self? Um, I originally said, trust my gut. Um, because I think we're often told not to trust it because we're told to do certain things Mm -hmm. in a certain order of growing up. Cause I feel like we've all probably have experienced a time where I'm just like, I should have left this relationship sooner, or I should have done this sooner. Like everything's going to be timing essentially. Like, you know, whether you regret going to college or not younger or older or whatever, but like being in toxic things and like, I'm lucky enough. I've been able to escape toxic things early. Um, Sometimes I wish it was earlier instead of maybe like a few months versus a year and a half. And I know sometimes that just depends on your overall support. So for me, it's definitely just trusting my gut. And you'll always have like the outside people that make you like second guess your decision, like having an abortion. It's like, oh, do I regret having one? And a lot of those women say no. Hmm. Um, yeah. But I feel like 
they're guilt tripped into saying yes and guilt tripped to say a different story even though you know if if you were confident in that decision there's a reason yeah I think that trusting your gut is such an important thing and I think that with your example of people doubting your decisions or questioning your decisions, which I think anyone who's probably decided not to have kids has faced, uh, people questioning their choice. And I think that especially the more that they feel like the more and more people who doubt you or question you or say you'll regret it or say those things to you. Like, I think there's a toxic effect that can eat away your own self-trust. Um, and so actively engaging and with your gut and having that like ability to check in with yourself and trust yourself is huge. And that even ties in with like what I was talking about with like diet culture and wellness culture. Like we're told to like stay small, be quiet. And like, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, if you're forced to do that long enough, you're just kind of bundling up feelings inside and you're not allowed to express them. Like, you know, if like, even like people on a diet, I'm breaking from like diet culture mindset a bit as well. Like, and you're told like, oh, you here's some like low calorie snacks. And you're like thinking, oh, this is how much I should be eating. But then you're like, I'm still hungry. And then you're ignoring it. We're constantly told to ignore our instincts. Yes. Just going to pause right here because we are. And that's huge. And I feel like as a coach, a lot of my work is helping people kind of reconnect with themselves yeah, and listen to themselves again, which, yeah, it just feels so important to be able to do that. And like you said, we're constantly being told not to. Mm -hmm. That was good. I'm curious. Um, what are some of your favorite podcasts? I know in our previous conversation, you mentioned some podcasts that you really like. Yeah. Um, so maintenance phase I like, yes, someone just turned me on to that podcast and I have been like binging it. It is so good. It's so easy to binge that one. And their personalities are for me relatable and they've spoken some thoughts. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm glad I'm not the only one that has thought those things. A similar one to that is you're wrong about. Sometimes I confuse the maintenance phase with that one. (laughs) Michael Hobbs, I think is on both of them. Oh, really? um, The experiment um, goes a lot about talking about like BIPOC people, especially like their history with certain things and they're nice and short. Uh, Sharon says so. She's a government and law teacher. So she does like workshops too. So I like her podcast. And then um, I weigh, she's like anti-diet culture. Overall, I just like podcasts that go into like history or just tell me like how things work, but this is how our legal system works. Or like, this is how we got here. Like, I would like to know that because it's so yeah. important because a lot of things have been whitewashed and we're concerned about cultural appropriation. And those are things I like because it influences a lot of things we do. And if you're in a multicultural country, like those things are important too. Yeah. Cool. I love podcasts. So (laughs) I'm excited to check 
those out. So thank you. And well, first of all, thank you so much for our discussion today and for being on the podcast. Um, it's been so much fun to chat with you. And if people would like to connect with you, um, after hearing this episode, how can they do so? Um, Instagram is going to be the best way to find me. I just changed my Instagram name to Aaron Laura Bailey. Okay, cool. I will link that up in the show notes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for being on and we'll catch you next time. Sounds good. Thank you. Hey listener, real quick before you go, if you're curious what it might be like to work with a coach around any aspect of your child-free life or the decision to have kids in the first place, you can book a free 45-minute clarity call with me through my Instagram page. My handle is at Coach Anna Olson, and you'll find a link to book your session in the link tree. I cannot wait to talk to you.